0: In non-essentials liberty in all things charity now here's dean
1: and thank you very much rachel joseph as always for your kind introduction and thank you to those of you who are listening in to in all things a podcast of the evangelical presbyterian church we're grateful for the gift of your time today we know that you have A lot of things on your plate and things that you could be doing and the fact that you choose to spend some of that time with us perhaps uh, while you're taking a walk in the park uh, or along the beach or in the mountains or perhaps you're just sitting down with a good cup of coffee in the morning and looking for an encouraging word. Uh, We're grateful that you've chosen to spend that that time with us. I was actually on uh, social media the other day and, and someone that I know Put out a request and said, Hey, do you know of any good podcasts uh, that I could listen to? And of course, I jumped right in and and shared our podcast. And that person was like, Oh, yeah, I forgot that the EPC actually has a podcast. I'm going to check it out. And that's what we need. We need people to share the word, you know, like us, send it to others. On a trip not that long ago to visit some of our congregations and friends in Puerto Rico, gentleman who met me at the airport uh, said that he listens to every episode and shares it with all the elders of his church and makes them listen to it too (laughs) and uh, man I really appreciate that and and so if you are listening I encourage you to share this with the elders of your church the deacons maybe your Sunday school class small group um, your pastors even if they're not already tuned in getting that word out is super helpful and we're grateful for that. And I think today's episode, especially, is, um, you know, it's an episode that really is EPC specific because it has to do with a, uh, a tragedy or a series of tragedies, really, that occurred in one of our hub cities where we have a, a strong concentration of EPC churches. Uh, a lot of our people deeply affected, personally, closely affected by these tragedies. So it, it's kind of an EPC thing, but these tragedies are things that really have gripped our nation. And I think no matter where you are listening in to this, you've heard of some of the stories that have happened uh, recently in Memphis, Tennessee, you've paid attention, listened in, your heart is broken, you felt the heaviness and weightiness of the brokenness of this world. Uh, so this is, this is a conversation I think that is larger. Uh, than the EPC, although that's going to be our our point of entering into that discussion today uh, with my good friend, Michael Davis, who is our Assistant State Clerk and Chief Collaborative Officer. So before we dig into that conversation, I do want to bring you um, a little bit of a word from one of our sponsors. As we speak about different things in the EPC, we share uh, sponsorship from different things like church planning and the three circles of angelism or different things. And and recently we've been talking about some of our presbyteries and highlighting them a little bit. And if you know that we have gone now to 16 presbyteries, the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic has multiplied into three. And those presbyteries, as of the conclusion of our 42nd General Assembly, are now up and running and having meetings this fall. And uh, we've been highlighting some of those. And one is the Presbytery of the New River. And I think I can say categorically that it is easily the most difficult geographic presbytery to get a handle on because I'm looking at a picture of it even as we talk, and it's like, and that's hard to describe. Um, The one thing you can say, it is pretty much all of the western part of the state of Virginia, and it is most of the southern part of West Virginia, so very Virginia-centric. But it also has this really interesting kind of sliver that runs through the western part of North Carolina, not all of the western part of North Carolina, but a particular part that I think follows this New River idea. And so, um, but it's kind of got a uh, this region has a certain cultural affinity that enables those churches to gather together with kind of a uh, a context that is shared for missional purposes. And uh, as part of one of the outgrowths of our former Presbytery, the Mid-Atlantic, these Presbyteries, Central Carolina's Coastal Mid-Atlantic and now New River Presbytery are really purposefully and intentionally focused on reaching the one, three and five mile communities around those congregations and, and uh, the whole area that is this uh, geographic uh, New River Presbytery, which is kind of their um, Judea and Samaria, if you will. And so please pray for them. Pray for um, Teaching Elder Rufus Barton from Martinsburg, West Virginia, as he's the new stated clerk of that presbytery. Ed Pettis, who's uh, the new moderator. Um, they have a church health coordinator in Annie Keesters and their ministerial candidate's chair, Cameron Smith. Uh, pray for that whole presbytery. Uh, go to our website, epc.org, and you can find all of our presbyteries there. And I encourage you to consider adding, praying for our presbyteries and their leadership as a part of your regular devotional life. And um, that would be a great gift, I think, to uh, to those presbyteries as well as to the EPC as a whole. Let's turn our attention to that conversation. And really, today's format's going to be different. It's not going to be an interview. This is just my dear friend and brother, uh, Michael Davis and I, Having a conversation about what's going on in Memphis. Michael's a longtime resident. Um, he's on the staff at Second Prez and is a teaching pastor at downtown, in addition to his time with us as our assistant city clerk. Michael, uh, we just welcome to In All Things and grateful to have the chance to have a conversation with you, man. Glad to
2: be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
1: so uh, we're going to put a disclaimer out there since this is more of a conversational format. Mm-hmm. This is coming at the end of a long week where we've had a series of teams in here and That's meetings right. at the at the global headquarters of right. the EPC. And so Michael and I both, both might be a little on the tired side, but it's not just that. This is a heavy topic. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. It's, it's a conversation that... Um, Man, I, I, I got home. You and I had been out in uh, Denver working with mm-hmm. the good folks at Cherry Hills Church planning for our 43rd General Assembly. Mm-hmm. I flew back to be in Pittsburgh with my family, and I just had this heavy sense that I was supposed to be with you in Memphis and with our EPC family in Memphis because of um, everything that was going on there from uh, the tragedy around uh, Liza Fletcher. I was a member of Second Prez who uh, you're close to that family ex- mm-hmm. exceedingly close to that family they live near you, you've done life together with them. So this, this was on the national headlines, but this was in your neighborhood. This was in your immediate close circle of friends. And it, it deeply affected not only you, but Second Prez, but I really, I was taken by how the entire city of Memphis had just been shaken, uh, not only by Liza's tragedy, but by the shootings that had occurred uh, after that so how how are things in Memphis right now how are people doing how are your friends doing how's your family doing
2: yeah I think that um, a lot of people in Memphis would say that there's a there's a cloud over the city due to uh, I, th- I think a lot of the national attention to a lot of, uh, of what has happened and, and gone on and so you feel the weight of everything mm-hmm. you know things keep uh, situations keep happening. Uh, that only magnify the the issues that we see. I mean, just the other day, there was an issue downtown Memphis, and someone just felt as if questioning their safety. So there are a lot of thoughts of do I stay in Memphis? Do I leave Memphis? And uh, there's been a strong contingency that has uh, just agreed upon the notion that no, we don't need to leave. Uh, we need to continue to seek the welfare of the city, and, uh, and be change agents deeply invested
1: into the city. And I, you know, as a visitor to your fair city, it, it, I mean, again, it is one of the hubs where we have a lot of EBC churches in that area. It's a great city. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is truly. The people are great. History is rich. Cultural things that it offers to us. It mm-hmm. is really, it's a truly great city, uh, and it's a great city that's hurting mm-hmm. right now. It mm. really is. And I, I felt that. I felt that very deeply, that people feeling like, do we leave? Do we not leave? But I heard clearly mm. from the body of Christ in my time there that, that, you know, what you said from Jeremiah 29, you know, praying for the welfare of the city. No, mm. we're, not, we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. We're digging in. This is our home. We're going to love on our neighbor's well. Right. I, I guess one of my takeaways was during those two days that I was there, I had the chance to, to, to be, of course, at Liza's funeral chance to worship at second pres on yep. Sunday morning yep. attend the Saturday service at hope, and they also had a panel discussion after that service on gun violence and then uh be with you in your home congregation at downtown mm-hmm. and uh on Sunday morning, so I had to be in three churches e p c churches in two days and i I was so blessed by not only those congregations and their faithfulness and their vitality and their vibrancy mm-hmm. um but I was particularly blessed by the three pastors, three EPC pastors: Richard Reeves at your congregation, uh, George Robertson as second, and Rufus Smith at Hope, who spoke to this moment in their people's lives. Mm-hmm. Each of them from different texts of the gospel are mm-hmm. uh, from the Bible, but but spoke the gospel right and they knew that the gospel was the only thing that would make any sense or do any, make any difference during this incredible heavy time. Mm. And and I came away going, man, I've never been more grateful to be a part of the EPC because these people are living it out.
2: Yeah. I think that they represented themselves well, um, in terms of pointing people to truth, uh, cause so many people go to different things, uh, in life. And even now when you think about not only Liza, but their family grieving and how much, uh, they need to be their hearts need to be reoriented because here it is just a week ago. They were on every television in America and uh, and now things are never going to be the same. And I think that that is also somewhat of how the city is felt being felt being deeply impacted by this, that uh, there's some way in which we live that has to that's slightly adjusted. Um, You're going to think twice about things. But what what I think the pastors did and what happens in Memphis typically is you have a people, a group of individuals who love their city and they want to see uh, things thrive in every aspect. And you feel that from the pulpit all the way to the marketplace people rally around the good things that happen when it comes to events in the city people rally around uh those things that impact us and wound us as a city and you 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 feel more and more uh how people won't let those things be the be the the overshadowing thought or picture or illustration as to how they ought to Be perceived, but you see people who are saying that I love where I am. I want to continue to be where I am, and we're going to make that deep investment. And I think when you hear pastors, you know, in our denomination preaching, I guarantee there were other pastors that were not a part of our denomination that were doing good ministry, preaching the same thing. Uh, There and there were a host of other EPC churches. I guarantee. They had the same ethos. And so everyone around us knew that they needed to be in a space and a place to where they needed to hear the gospel. I guarantee people who had probably not been to church in a while found themselves going back to church just needing to be in that setting, um, needing to be uh, around people who uh, spoke truth. And you had others that probably did not. But generally what you would see is people wanting to come alongside one another yeah. and fight for the welfare of the city.
1: I saw it in two settings, right? I saw it at second pres yep. where you once served as a pastor there. Right. And I saw people when they saw you, man, they just got so animated. I mean, their, their faces just lit up and right. they just wanted to hug you. They wanted to be with you. They wanted to, to just embrace you. And, and it was almost like this, like, man, we need to be together, right? you know? And then I watched you as you came into your element at Mm -hmm. downtown church, and you just sort of lit up. Right. Like, you just, you got animated. Mm -hmm. Like, because you were with your people. Mm -hmm. You were with this incredibly diverse congregation. I mean, I looked around, and I don't know if I've ever seen a congregation that better represents Revelation 7-9. I mean, you guys... And, and how young? I mean, like the average age of your church is like 35 or something <laughs> like that. And there were just kids everywhere right, and, and right. people. I mean, it was just, it was such a beautiful picture of the kingdom. Right. But I, I was kind of standing back and watching you interact with that congregation. Mm-hmm. And you were just, it was like you needed. Mm-hmm. to be with your your family with yeah. your church family you mm-hmm. needed one another yeah. and i saw that at second pres where when they saw you it was like a reunion like yeah. oh, we need to be together right. you know and 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 the value of being we can't go through stuff like this alone no yeah
2: yeah and 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 the idea of being a pastor a shepherd to the people who you care and have built relationship you've cried with you've celebrated with you've enjoyed so many different things all of those You are you are flooded with those memories and then you are basically injected with a level of joy and laughter in the midst of grief and sorrow. And the interesting thing is that God, being so gracious, gives you that. Right. He gives you that by being around the people. You can't get that by yourself. And being a pastor, sometimes it is, it's is—it's good and healthy to be around people who remind you of the times that y'all had together. And I think that that was one of the beautiful things, being back at Second Prayers. Uh, and then also on a Sunday morning being at downtown and everybody, even Artez, did a wonderful job leading the prayer of lament um, and feeling the, the weightiness of the moment. But yet at the same time, like you said, you see all of these kids jumping in front of the church, mm-hmm. dancing and having a time in which we're trying to, you know, have them a part of the worship. And you see young people, vibrant individuals connecting and in families from all different Perspectives, trying to just do life together, in the midst of everything that's going around. It was the community that brought so much joy to one another, and that was a beautiful picture. I believe of the gospel, yeah. right? The greatest commandment is that you love one another, because it is a visible proclamation, and that's what that was. That's what I felt. I felt. I feel it every time I come come together with the body. We're proclaiming the love of God, the love that we have for one another, because nobody can steal that. Nobody yeah, can take that away. In,
1: in the middle of the the tragedy and the mourning and the grief and the loss over at Second pres George Robertson made the comment from the Scripture: "This is the day that the Lord has made; we will rejoice and mm. give thanks in it." We Amen. still will. And Amen. I thought to myself, "Man, that's a that's a hard statement to make in the midst of this level of grieving." And then I go over to to downtown church on Sunday morning, and the two things you pointed out they were both happening. in at the same time yeah in the context of that worship service you had artes leading this incredibly powerful prayer yeah of lament mm-hmm. it was real it was honest it was it was personal yeah he it created space for each of us to enter into that mm-hmm. it was even a little gut-wrenching mm-hmm. and it was it was kind of raw and honest and at the same time the kids jumping around dancing and yeah. celebrating yeah and then Richard just going to the word yeah. and and calling us to, to Jeremiah 29 and, right. and uh, praying for the peace of the city and mm-hmm. that God's called us to. And, and it was just like all of it. It was just the full, rich, beautiful, hard, challenging, glorious layers of the gospel mm-hmm. lived out in the context of community.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, one of the blessings about being where we are, even if, you know, where we live, we, we live with neighbors to five families on our street.
1: I was just going to say, that was the other takeaway for me was when we stood on your front porch and you pointed out all of your neighbors and you're like, you know, now my kids are always over there and they're always over here. And, and, and they're, you know, uh, just the, the way in which, and, gosh, I mean, you guys are like a block and a half away from Liza and Richie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you go for walks together right, and right, you right. live life together and your kids are playing around together. I mean, so it's not just in the gymnasium at the community right, center right. where you guys worship. It is life on life. That's right. Real life. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And that's the, and, and once again, it's, it's enjoyable because I watch my children. I watch them enjoy that at a young age, and be able to engage one another. You know, one of the things that happened, uh, it was, uh, it, I think it was Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. We had people over. You had just, um, you just left. You were catching your flight back. We had a family that came in town. They were over the house um, playing for a little bit. And then we started winding down, and I was getting ready for the week. And uh, one of our, the children on the street went missing. You know, they had the U.S. Open going on. Uh, and one of the children, I get a text message, Hey, have you seen child? And, you know, even though we were terrified at the moment, uh, we found the child who walked across a busy street and he's, uh, he's, not, he's very young, uh, not even, f- uh, seven, I don't think. And he's at a playground that he really wanted to go to. All of the families, oh, the parents' um, nightmare. Oh man, it
1: was it was it was insane. How long did it take before you guys uh, knew he was missing? For when you found him, well, they, they ten minutes. They
2: they they couldn't find him for ten minutes,
1: which felt like, of course, an eternity. An eternity, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and you know, watching one of the mothers just break down in a moment because we couldn't find them and could find him, but then a, a whole community. You probably had because everybody was down at someone's house watching the U.S. Open. So all of the kids were down there. Uh, He just decided to go his own way. But when we got the text, I found him. You know, you had everybody driving around the community. Everybody walking through the streets looking for him. So you had 20, 30 people uh, on the street doing it. And that was a beautiful picture of how uh, we're going to chase and find, seek, those that are lost are our, our, our children. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel, yeah. a beautiful picture of not only is Jesus coming after us, it's a community. That's also the beloved community. Yeah. That's also coming towards us. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. I believe we felt all together mm-hmm. um, in the city of Memphis as well.
1: It's what my, uh, my friend, Steve Garber calls the seamless life. Mm-hmm. I call it the life that is really life. It yeah. is. It's, 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 you know, evangelicalism, often has pointed to kind of eternal life, and rightly so, but but it's also that, that eternality breaks in now mm-hmm. into community. Absolutely. And uh, and we experience the abundance and the beauty, beauty of the kingdom, right. in, in, even in those moments right. where, on the one hand, you've got this group of people who are panicking over where this child is, mm-hmm. and yet, the other hand, there's this this beauty of everybody pulling together Absolutely. to try to make it happen. So I had, I had a couple of takeaways, Michael, that, it, you know, I just want your thoughts on because in my time, beyond all those kind of observations, there were a couple of things that were said during the weekends that left me. And I'm still really kind of sitting in those places, thinking about them. One of the comments that George Robertson made a second Presbyterian is he said, Jesus is angry too. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'd never thought about the fact no. that when an injustice happens and a tragedy happens, when something so devastating happens, mm-hmm. that, that that the response of Jesus would, that he would be angry at yeah. the brokenness too. Yep. Did you feel some of that?
2: Yeah. I think that that righteous indignation is something to, to always be reminded of that, that God is not just merely silent or ignorant or uh, he that he's not that he's even insecure about the moment that is happening he's very much secure and it just it's a good illustration of the fact that when your child is worried about something concerned about something uh you know it, my son the other day is a good illustration he said dad can we go get some pokemon cards and i picked him up from the school took him to target we got some pokemon cards now he they wanted still, the, they still have sorry, pokemon man, cards still got them. now oh he wanted the ten dollar cards i was like listen no, nah. we're going for the five dollar ones." he gives him a car he opens them and he's sad because it's not the cards that he really wants right but then he's just like my friends have these cards and I want these cards and it it was to see him crying about something like that and to know that I'm that that like that doesn't bother me that yeah I could spend the ten dollars but that didn't necessarily it wasn't it didn't warrant warrant it at that time and I made a deal with him about his school but I thought about it he felt overwhelmed by that He was sad by that, and I don't look at it as as that important necessarily, but at the same time, I don't think God does that. God doesn't look at moments in where we are mostly sad. I probably as a father can learn more from the father how even in that moment I need to care for him because the level in which he feels that I feel the weight of that Mm. is also important, but I'm not insecure about it. It doesn't affect me. And God is not insecure. He's not, there's no situation that is too large. So that Jesus is angry is the fact that he is empathizing with us in a way in which he understands grief
1: and pain to that degree. Right. And that's the... Power of the incarnation that He entered into that reality with us, so that we could experience His reality Absolutely. in us. And so, I also, and maybe we'll close on this for now, is that one of the things that I that really I took away from um, my time at Hope Church is that after the service, uh, they offered a, a seminar on on gun violence Mm -hmm. and uh, and they had what maybe four panelists up there and um, they all kind of brought different perspectives and had different viewpoints and how they, it wasn't like a, you know, all saying the same thing, Mm -hmm. but the person who left me with a real impression was Effie Mm -hmm. uh, who leads worship at Hope Prez and she has um, leads a non-for-profit in, in Memphis. It struck me as comprehensive, Mm -hmm. holistic, Uh, dealing with systems and structures and people in, in real substantive ways. Absolutely. And one of my takeaways from Effie's talk was dig in and do something. Mm-hmm. Like like when, we f- when these kind of tragedies come, sometimes I shut down because mm-hmm. I feel like I, I don't know what to do with my feelings and my emotions. And I know I can't change the world. I know I can't fix everything and I shouldn't try to fix everything. Mm-hmm. But all of us can do something and when we do something, like, for example, when, when your neighbor's a child had gone missing, had you just gone back inside and watched the U.S. Open and well, what can I do? Right. You know, right. There's something about being a part of the solution yeah. that is the way we are wired when he says, behold, I make all things new, and he invites mm-hmm. us into that. We're supposed to join him. Mm-hmm. In that right, yeah,
2: we're redemptive change agents. Um, I mean, that's what we've been mandated with, and that's very important because everything that we touch, uh, if we love thy neighbor, uh, it is bringing redemptive qualities to that. And so, you know, we don't want to ignore the fact of yeah, you want to go through the five stages of grief, you want to feel the pain, the sorrow, you want to feel all aspects of it. I think Jesus helps us to see that what He felt was not something that wasn't that was just He He had superpower over it. He felt every nail. He felt the crowns. He felt the pain. He felt the agony. And his doing was to be amongst the people. And a lot of things that we, uh, that we do, um, we just have to see ourselves bringing redemption. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that we need the, the, the most means to do it, that we have to be the most talented, that our treasures have to be extremely large, or that we have to have a, a, enough time. But prayer is sufficient. Because God is the one that is ultimately working all things out. And when you do pray, uh, you just won't lean into your own understanding. But by wise counsel, godly counsel, individuals that love you and have humility and have great character and the, and they're faithful will help guide you in the direction which you will go. Because God is lean, guiding you and you're not leaning into your own understanding and you're not wallowing in your own self-pity. Mm.
1: I mean, I will tell you the week before Liza's funeral I think the Lord was waking me up every night, mm-hmm. multiple times during the night, and you know, part of it was, and I, I didn't even ha- have the opportunity to know her, yeah. but I know you, right, and I know Second Pres, right, and and I could just kind of feel it, right, and I would be waking up every night, and I'd just be praying, I'd be praying for Richie, I'd be praying for the kids, I'd be praying for Liza, I'd be praying for you, I'd be praying for all my family at Second Pres, I mean Memphis, I mean just, and that. I think it was that praying in, in a lot of ways that that drew me closer to feel the the depth of the of the hurt and the mm-hmm. brokenness that kind of caused me to School. say I need to be there. I I need I need to go and grieve. Mm-hmm. I need to go and be a part of the beloved community and step into that space for me. Yeah. I mean, I I mean I think maybe I thought, "Oh, yeah, as a state clerk, I'm going to go and and care for the people in Memphis." I I feel like I I went to Memphis and y'all cared for me. And I really felt like I I was able to better process what took place by having actually been in that space where God's people were really wrestling with it biblically and honestly and vulnerably and really.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you being you coming and attending it was I think more informative for me in the aspect of yeah, you 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 Dropped in, you parachuted into a situation, and you were a listener, you were an observer, you and but then you also mourned and you grieved alongside of the community. And I think it was, I think it was a great picture. I really didn't think about you even being there Sunday and attending Saturday, Sunday and attending multiple services, and seeing uh, what what that city, it, what is going on, and what the city in the ministry that we're doing as EPC in that city is. That was beautiful, and I think that um, you said something that. Just made me think that we all, uh, as we are praying for one another, though we may not necessarily be able to be present there in that way. It's very important to continue to acknowledge that we're all going through things and dealing with things. And so I want to say publicly thank you to everyone that has said I'm praying for Memphis and the things that y'all are going through and the family. Uh, And I just want to say that this family, their life will never be normal. And uh, I'm praying that they continue to live and trust that God is with them even through this most dark in troubling time
1: i want to close uh michael with this passage um all three pastors referenced it uh, though it wasn't the preaching text of their sermons Mm -hmm. all three of them referenced it which i thought was interesting Uh, i think richard the pastor at at downtown church richard Reeves, spoke to it probably the the, the most but it's from jeremiah 29 in verse 7 seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're from St. Louis, so Memphis for you Lord, has been exile. Uh, but, but now it's your home. Now, now <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, ribs and uh, all this stuff. That's yeah. right. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, mm-hmm. you too will prosper. Amen. And, uh, that's a deep commitment that not only you have, but downtown church, second press, hope, advent faith, yeah. I mean, all of the churches in uh, St. Pat's, all the churches in the, in the Memphis area mm-hmm. uh, have a deep level of commitment to the, the well-being of the city to which they have been called. And for yeah. that, I am profoundly grateful. Yeah, amen. All right. Thank you. Well, my friends, this is just a, you know, a conversation between two brothers who have hearts that are heavy and hurting but know that the gospel is real. And we live that out together in community because we are for one another. How did you say that one phrase? Just this idea of of our living that out together. All right, friends, pass this on. Pass this on to other folks in the EPC. This is a conversation not just between Michael and I, but hopefully for all of us um, as we find healthy ways to process grief, suffering, pain, anger, frustration, hurt, healing, hope, and do that all in the context of following after our Savior because he is sovereign over all things. The good word from God's word as we close today reminds us that the Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. Hmm. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, my friends, and in him, I just want you to let this sink in, in him, all things hold together. All things, the good things, the hard things, the dark things, the bright things, the the challenging things, the the painful things, the joyous things, Mm -hmm. all of it holds together. Because you see, he is the head of the body, the church. That is our precious Savior, Jesus, and it's in his name. Until the next time we gather, my friends, in this space, I bid grace and peace to you.
0: Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.